Hello, everyone. I'm Alan Potcotter, and you're listening to Call Talk for September 23rd, 2020. Today's topic is emerging best practices for recruiting and training in the new normal. Advice from Contact Center Excellence Manager. If you're listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. Here's how you do it. You can email me at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at benchmarkportal.com any time of the day. And with that, I would like to introduce the host of the show, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Alan, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Now, the pandemic has hit most contact center people really hard, including in the areas of recruiting and training and just agent management in general. And that's why we brought in an experienced manager on the topic for you, Pam Roddy, who is Senior Director of Operations for Maximus Boston. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thanks, Bruce. Okay. Well, Pam has been uh, uh, in the contact center management area for over 20 years, so she brings us a lot of experience. And she's been in both the private and the government sectors and has worked both domestically and internationally. Uh, she was also one of our all-star panelists on the coronavirus town hall that we had earlier this year and which you can find uh, on our website. And that was extremely well-received for its uh, great insights, many of them from Pam, in fact. So, Pam, it's great to have you on the show. We have a three-hour topic, but only 30 minutes for the show, so let's get started. Uh, tell us, how do you go about adapting a former in-office call center to a virtual environment under the kind of pressure that you were feeling earlier this year? Um, although, it, you, you know, really great question, Bruce, and thank you for having me on the show today. Um, it would have been preferable to establish our remote work policies and practice in advance, but with the rapidly changing circumstances, our level of preparedness was just not feasible. So what I think is really important right now is that we take a step back and take stock of our operation and really understand what we need to address. And I always use, you know, a multi-pronged approach whenever I do that and really look at the three pillars of any operation, um, people, process, and technology. Mm, There's three okay. things that we know about working remotely. And, um, you know, that's, you know, there's a, the lack of face-to-face -face supervision that people have to deal with, um, potentially a lack of access to inf in information, and then social isolation. Hmm. Right. So these are really very intensely people-focused type of issues, uh, the face-to-face -face supervision, uh, lack of access to information, social isolation. And part of it just has to do with human nature, uh, what we want, and part of it has to do with what we're used to, but can, in fact, be uh, sort of uh, introduced to doing something differently, but it takes time and it takes some patience and that, all kinds of good management um, requirements here. So, Pam, what did you learn from the people process technology review that you did? And maybe we could start with the people side because it's so important. Absolutely. Um, as, as we look at, you know, what are the needs of our people um, in this remote environment, and how has that changed from pre-COVID? One of the things that's so important is that you need to spend more time on interactions with your staff than you did before. 
Um, and that they probably will take on multi aspects. You might um, things like a daily check-in. Um, are you having a stand-up meeting or some sort of a team scrum every day? Are you checking in with that individual every day? Maybe it's a text message. Um, how frequent are your one-on-one meetings? What are your communication op- options, and are you exploiting them? Text message, email, chat and group discussion, virtual meetings. Can you survey and poll people, town hall meetings, um, task forces? All of those things are so important with people. And what we're finding overall is people need more feedback and recognition and in, a, in a remote environment than they would need in a, um, in a face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when they're uh, face-to-face and they have people around them, they're sort of continually getting feedback in one way or another, and it's both from supervisors but also for, from coworkers, and uh, they're able to chat with them during breaks and during uh, lunch, lunchtime and that sort of thing. And you, you don't have that in this situation. So uh, it really has, you have to be proactive, as you were saying, and sort of structure your management style to provide that contact and feedback and, and do it in a way that's going to work for your center but uh, is going to work. You've got to make it work. Yeah, that's great. Uh, other things on the people side? Sure. Um, I think the key is the supervisor. And we all know in this industry that there's nothing more important than a supervisor to CSR relationship. And that's never been truer in, in, in the remote environment. So just like, you know, a lot of people in education, teachers and all of that have taken some time over the summer to revamp their curriculum and revamp what they do, supervisors need to do the same thing. Um, They really need to revamp their um, process for engaging employees, and they need support from leadership on how to do that. They may need some technical training. Not all supervisors are adept at things like running a um, a virtual meeting. so really making sure that you invest in the supervisor um, and that they'll pay it forward. We also looked at the ratio because of the fact that the, the um, CSRs often look at that supervisor as their lifeline as they adapt to a, the remote environment. We did lower our ratio of supervisors um, to staff. So, um, you know, where we would go 15 CSRs to one supervisor we've brought that down, um, depending upon the tenure of the team, to to almost half of that in some instances. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty dramatic. And uh, have you seen good results from that? Extremely good results. Um, I don't know that we'll need to sustain that long-term as everyone gains experience. But what Mm -hmm. we have learned is that new people definitely need um, you know, sort of like we would do in office in a nesting environment, creating smaller teams um, where the, because the supervisor is going to need to be answering more questions, helping them with resources and those types of things. Um, we'll probably sustain that with our employees with less than six months experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that's important. And, you know, what you said about the supervisor being the key to uh, success in the contact center is something that, uh, as you know, I've been uh, beating the drum on for many years and, uh, in fact, have suggested that we change the word supervisor 
to either agent advocate or CSR advocate uh, and actually change the mentality of the supervisor uh, from that of being a supervisor to that of being a somebody who's a cheerleader, but uh, a cheerleader who demands accountability. So that you basically uh, say, uh, you know, I want as a supervisor, I want my uh, agents and my C or my CSRs to really succeed, and by doing that, I'll succeed as well and have a, a, an entire sort of um, mentality and even. Uh, reward structure that that's uh, built around that. So I think that's really important. Um, what what other things in terms of uh, how about polling and, and surveying agents? What what can you say about that? That that's been a really um, key tool that we've used. So sometimes you you know in a meeting where your supervisor's there and and some people are hesitant maybe to to tell you really the the down and dirty. So we've used a combination of meetings as well as surveying people um, to really understand what's going on. And we found that people were very honest about, you know, the, my computer thinks or, you know, my, I, I, I can't get a headset that works right. Um, and so it, it, it allowed us to really understand issues both at the aggregate level to see what our common themes were. And then we got some good things that maybe people weren't comfortable about speaking, um, you know, in an environment one-on-one. -on -one. Polling is also another fun thing to do, and if you use Zoom or something like that, is, is how do I keep people engaged in the meeting? And sometimes we find that during a meeting to stop and, and do a polling question is a great way to keep people engaged in a meeting um, and active participation um, what has been very um, something that we've been really focusing on, and polling can be a fun way to do that. Hmm. Oh, that's a great tip. That's a great tip because uh, a lot of people are using Zoom meetings, and I've been on tons of them. I have not seen a whole lot of them where they've used the polling function. But uh, again, if you've done what you've indicated, which is to teach people on the technical uh, aspects of these virtual meetings, then you can actually use that and uh, use it effectively. That's great. That's great. And, and, and other things, um, how about uh, you mentioned something about a CSR task force. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, we've had a CSR task force in place for quite a while in our, in our contact center. It's provided invaluable voice of the CSR to senior leadership. And keeping that alive um, in our remote environment and switching it has been invaluable. Um, they, we just wrapped up, um, people serve on the task force for one year and then we wrap, we wrap it up and, and we, we cast the net out for another group of, we keep it about eight to 10 people. And so I had the pleasure of a debrief and, um, not only did we get a lot of very important information about, um, what our staff needed, um, for resources, how they were feeling, um, the isolation, um, the distractions at home and things like that. Um, at the end, they said, "You know what? Thank you. I never thought that I would, um, I would ha have a position like that in the company. I never thought that I would be able to feel so important, because we shared with them all of the things they brought forward and the results of that. We had a um, 
as a result of that, we did what we call technical office hours, where we actually got um, key members of our IT team, you know, somebody from the telephony team, and put them on a Zoom meeting. And anyone could call in and, and um, get real-time information, and um, they would also do proactive talks. So it's, it's sort of like this forum, but for CSRs to call in and, and talk through technical issues. So that was a direct result of um, the CSR task force. And, you know, to give that back to them and say, you did this, you did that, um, was a really rewarding experience. Right. Okay. And the, the whole idea of getting the information from uh, the front line is, is so important. Uh, we, uh, as you know, we do surveys of uh, agents all the time, and we publish that report called Agent Voices. Uh, actually, we've had two versions of that. And, you know, with thousands and thousands and thousands of agents, and it's been great doing cross tabs and trying to figure out what people are uh, really feeling and uh, what really makes them happy as contact center agents. But this year has obviously upended a lot of things. And um, there have been a couple of uh, contact center managers who have said, well, you know, I, I want to wait till things settle down, and then I'll survey my agents. I want to wait till things settle down. And then I'll see what my agents have to say, or my CSRs. And I'll say, you know, think about that, because really getting that input now, and again, the kind of input that sometimes people are hesitant to give face-to-face -face or even voice-to-voice, -voice, you can get through these surveys. And there can be some nuggets in there that can really uh, make a big difference and maybe don't cost much money, uh, or if anything, and uh, really can uh, help to turn a situation that may be a little bit tenuous into a much stronger situation. So uh, that's really great input. Um, and another thing you've talked about is supporting the culture. And obviously, when you're in a brick-and-mortar situation, you're walking into a building, you can see the mission statement on the wall. You can sort of feel the vibe, and you can be talking to your managers who are going around sort of walking, hopefully, you know, uh, talking the talk and walking the walk. You don't have that uh, when everybody is at home. So talk to us a little bit about supporting the culture in this sort of a situation. So important because we know um, when we talk to people about what, what's their favorite part of the job and what, um, you know, when we look at, we all want to promote tenure in our call centers, right? Turnover is our biggest, one of our biggest issues. And it's the culture. It's the people you work with. So how do you support that? Um, really, one of the most important things is you have to increase the amount of rewards and recognition that you give in a remote environment. People are hungry for feedback, and their biggest fear when they work remotely is that um, I'm going to lose touch. Um, people aren't going to know what I'm doing or how good a job I'm doing. So really, not, and we talked a little bit a minute ago about increasing feedback, you have to also increase recognition and look for opportunities for shout-outs, more shout-outs, really making sure that people know that you know what they're doing. Um, so that's, that's critical. Um, and, yet, and we've had to revamp our incentives. You know, things like pizza lunches um, are, are a little tougher to do, but we've gotten good at sending things to people's homes. Um, we have a corporate Grubhub account, so a manager can reward somebody and send lunch to their, to their home. Um, so, so activities like that. 
it's also really important when you bring new people on um, that you start to build that culture immediately. And things like creating um, buddy systems and mentoring so that they have a connection in the organization to another CSR and giving them time to um, foster that relationship is really important so that new people understand the culture. Um, And giving people time to to do social activities um, as your call center work week allows uh, to allow people time to have a social breakout. Maybe it's it's a club, um, a book club. Um, We do um, meditation groups, things like that, where people can come offline and and join a group of colleagues um, for something other than just a work-related topic. Mm, okay, I, I think I want to join one of those meditation groups. That's, that's really good. And uh, the, 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 you know, I think when you were talking about earlier, uh, sort of fear of losing touch, this fear of invisibility, of kind of uh, becoming invisible because of the fact that I'm not there anymore, or uh, becoming visible only to a much smaller group of people, et cetera. And so through the increase in recognition and the increase in the uh, interactions that you were talking about. Uh, that can be so, so important in terms of counteracting that and making people feel uh, that they are, in fact, uh, part of what's going on and part of the culture. And um, yeah, another possibility is videos, uh, particularly when people are being onboarded. Uh, a lot of companies have videos, and maybe they need to fine-tune those or uh, bulk them up a little bit. Have the videos basically really convey very clearly what the culture is and what the expectations are in terms of, uh, you know, performance and in terms of also just personal ethics, et cetera, and have testimonials of uh, agents, uh, CSRs, talking about those things. That can be really good because it puts it right in front of the people who are coming in right when they're coming in, right? And so then the rest of the uh, onboarding and the rest of the training, et cetera, needs to support it, but you've put down, you've set the table, if you will. And that, I think, can be a powerful uh, thing to do. Do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that setting that table, as you said, and, and using videos are, are so important. We've really looked at our entire training curriculum and revamped it um, to to make sure that it's heavy enough in, in, in those aspects and interactive enough so that we're holding people's attention. Right. Okay, great. Well, let's go on to uh, process items. Um, t- talk to us about uh, establishing rules of engagement, setting expectations, concrete flexibility, et cetera. Talk to us about those uh, aspects. So process, on one hand, um, I think it's really important. People like to know what's expected of them, and they like it to be consistent. And I think in this world of disruption and chaos, to know that there is consistency and reliability in your workplace and how it's approached can have a stabilizing impact. We all know CSRs, when we go through change, it's tough. It's disruptive. Um, and and they, that many people that are that like the call center space and like being a call center agent do so because they like 
that um, they like that routine. They like the structure of a call center. So on one hand, it's really important to let people know what to expect, how they, mm-hmm. their breaks will be scheduled, how their schedule will be made, how they access their supervisor. All of those things that seem pretty basic sometimes, really important that they're reviewed and that your supervisors um, really understand that these are, are so important and, and above all else, nothing comes above the fact that they have to be there to support their folks. That mm-hmm. being said, um, there's a flexibility that I think our CSRs need right now that we have to, some of the processes that we've had in place um, around schedules, um, around work weeks and things like that, we're finding are difficult. Many of our staff have their children at home, and they're trying to work around kids' schedules um, and, and other distractions, including taking care of people. So we've... Um, on one hand, we need to know when you can work, but we're giving more flexibility into your schedule than ever before. Literally, if you want to come in and give us a few hours of work and then you need a few hours off and then you want to log back in, we'll do those type of split days. So, you know, we need to be concrete in that we need to know when we can count on you, but yet flexible in that we'll provide you with more flexibility than we have before. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've talked about, you have to look at all your training and, and um, you know, really look at your procedures for training and how are you going to be assured that people are, are engaged in training. Of course, more breakout sessions. Again, um, knowing your technology, Zoom has the ability to create breakout sessions. Um, how do you gauge someone's involvement? Is it the amount of responses that they give? Is it the activity that they have in a chat session? Um, do you have to do more independent sort of activities that people have to present and things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and the importance of scorecards and things like that so people know exactly where they stand. Um, more reliance on our workforce management. We've put them through some paces with the scheduling and, um, you know, they, in making sure that they understand what the workforce is that we're going to have available. And, um so all of those things, we've really had to look at everything a little bit differently. So I guess in summary, the importance of process is there, but you can't hold on to some of the processes that you've had in the past. Um, they're not going to work in this environment. So how do you find that um, balance between flexibility um, but yet uh, a, a, a well-established work model? Right, right. What's interesting is we'll get into technology in a minute, but really the processes are going to be so dependent on those technologies. And you were mentioning, for instance, the Zoom breakout sessions. And I'm an assistant scoutmaster, and we use those Zoom breakout sessions for patrol corner, you know. So there's the overall troop meeting, which is the big one, and then we go into the uh, patrol corner. And what's interesting there is the fact that leadership on the part of the person who's responsible for the breakout session is extremely important because you have to get a certain amount of things done in a certain amount of time. And there's got to be that um, sort of, excuse me, the uh, balance between personal interaction, because, of course, this is an opportunity for the interaction on the part of the, the breakout group, and uh, following the agenda and making sure that when you get pulled back into the main meeting again, you've gotten the stuff done that you have to get done. And so there's leadership and there's a certain finesse that goes with doing that well. 
and uh, teaching your people how to do that is important. And I, I like what you said about scorecards and dashboards would be in the same uh, same uh, realm there. And in terms of working around uh, kids and older parents and that sort of the flexibility uh, that we have now is so dependent on workforce management capabilities. And um, those are so much better now than they were, say, 10 or 15 years ago. And uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about that and, and as we sort of slide into the technology part of what you wanted to talk about, Pam. Sure. Um, yes, workforce management capabilities are, are really um, so much more robust, and you can do things like schedule bidding um, uh, ahead of time and let people choose their schedules. You can build um, profiles um, as well as get more – enter data information real-time about how, how your call center is doing. So as we're multitasking and working remotely, um, I've, I've really relied both on um, the technology of helping the flexibility of the scheduling, but yet still having a really strong idea of what I have for capacity and demand each day, and then also really relying on real-time updates on, on how things are going so we can do just-in-time, um, um, you know, changes as our, as our workforce demands. One of the biggest challenges I've had is call, um, call forecasting in, 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 during the pandemic. Um, we've gone from, you know, very little volume at first to then large spikes in volume as um, – in, in in a healthcare government services area, um, the demand has increased. So, uh, you know, moving people around, understanding our, our workforce has been really challenging. Sorry. No, no, I was, I was just going to add right onto that, that one of the things that can be uh, difficult too is saying, okay, well, in order to meet the demands of the um, actual volumes uh, per, uh, as opposed to the forecast, then that means that you have kind of uh, knocked uh, the wind out of other things that you wanted to do in terms of uh, group meetings or um, coaching sessions, et cetera. And uh, now there is technology that can actually help out with that. And so there are sources and, and there are uh, opportunities to sort of make that chess game a little bit easier uh, for workforce management and for management as a whole. So sorry for interrupting, but uh, back over to you. No. Um, so continuing on technology, I just wanted to touch on a couple of other things outside of workforce management. I think, you know, like everybody, I'm sure we've been in this seven months. So first of all, was just for those of us that were not remote, the scramble, you know, do I have the right technology to move people remotely? Do I have the right bandwidth? Um, what what do I do? How do I deploy this? And so we've gotten there, right? We're we're up and running, and now it's sort of step two in our technology assessment. And what for for us, what that's meant is equipment replacement. Um, is if you have a CSR in the field and their you know their keyboard or mouse or headset you know breaks, we've had to establish 24-hour you know FedEx delivery. Um, system. And um, we, you know, it seems rather rudimentary, but it wasn't something we had a lot of um, experience with, and, and we've had to really put that in place. So, you know, it's, it's the 
staff's lifeline to us. So really um, assessing where our technology, now that we have all the basics out there, needs to improve. One of the things we're also doing with regards to technology is we, um, we have a really nice um, knowledge management system. We use the Panviva platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we were finding is that our CSRs, our supervisors, particularly for inexperienced agents, were spending a lot of time pointing people at the right places in our knowledge management system. And, what, and talking to Panviva, they have what they call a nugget, which interfaces directly in, we use um, Microsoft Teams as our chat methodology. So um, you can put this widget right in your um, Teams environment. So when the CSR chats a question, it will automatically go to the Knowledge Center and pull that out so that the supervisor doesn't always have to provide that direction. Um, And so it really is um, something we're piloting right now, but a, a way that we're looking to enhance our knowledge management one step further to be more con- conducive to the remote environment. Um, mm-hmm. We also have redone user guides, um, you know, step-by-step incremental, um, and an analysis of, of tickets by a user. Because certainly folks that have technology, low technology acumen are those that are probably at risk the most. Um, and they may be great agents that were doing really well in office but are having a real hard time at home. So in addition to some of the big system things we all know that we want, um, we've also tried to take a, a, a bottom-up approach to looking at our technology through the eyes of our CSRs, our agents. And that's, again, tying back to that survey and that feedback and polling loops have really helped us a lot of where we need to focus. Oh, that's great. That's great. And uh, like like the, what you were talking about with your knowledge management platform, and basically it's sort of a uh, an AI-assisted, it sounds like, um, component to, uh, you know, escalation. So very, very interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Great. Are, are there any other considerations that you'd like to uh, add in? Because we are getting toward the end of our show here, unfortunately. But anything else that you wanted to mention? Um, other considerations I think are, um, you know, we didn't, I didn't hire like a lot of these agents with a work from home, um, thought. So not everybody is well suited, um, for the work from home. And we've had a few cases where despite everything that we've done, it's just been not a great alignment. We do have some flexibility to bring people back in office if, you know, um, if necessary, and we have had to do that. So not everyone is well-suited, and we have had situations where people um, for um, uh, not work-related but uh, personal issues feel safer in the office. So it's been nice for us to have that, but I know not everyone does. So I think, um, you know, there, there has been some fallout from working from home. And people are really in two camps right now. Some people are loving working from home and hoping that they'll be able to do this long term. Some people are doing okay but really do miss that office environment and are looking forward to when they can return. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to meet the needs of both of those people. And, um, you know, there are some silver linings here in that some people are, are enjoying working from home. We also, it's, it's 
hiring and recruiting. Uh, my office is in, in downtown Boston. It was always a challenge. So it's allowed me to um, expand my catchment area and hire people um, in, in a radius that I can ship them equipment or they bring their own device. And um, that, that potentially I wouldn't have, um, they wouldn't have been a viable candidate for me in the office. Right, right. And actually, I mean, given your position too, one of the things that you will be looking at going forward uh, and when it is possible to bring people back to the office, if you want to bring them back to the office, is the public transport issue. Because uh, I've been to a lot of centers that are kind of in uh, either semi-rural or suburban areas and where everyone literally uh, comes to work in a car. That's not the case for inner city locations uh, or central locations because it's just uh, the parking is so difficult. So I imagine that's something that you're going to also have to uh, sort of think about going forward because people are going to be um, perhaps hesitant about public transport longer than they're hesitant about coming into an office situation where, you know, there's spacing and all that sort of thing. Do you have any thoughts on that, Pam? You're exactly right. Um, so um, 100% of our agents take public transportation into the office. So it's been a big consideration of ours as we, um, as we had people back in the office. Um, so we, um, we do have about 25% of our people in the office. Um, we are finding that um, we've had to expand our parking um, that we offer people reimbursing because people would prefer to take their own automobiles. Um, we've also had to increase, um, we have pretty strict screening guidelines, as you can imagine, um, you know, uh, an app on the phone, temperature taking, um, people wear personal devices when in the office um, and so that they don't get that feet for six feet. So we could do a whole radio show on how do you bring people in the office on, during the pandemic. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, I think we get one question in from uh, a listener. So, Alan, let me let me uh, go over to you, and then we're going to have to. I'm I'm afraid Doug, wrap this up, even though it's been absolutely fabulous. Alan. Yes, we have one from Anthony, and he's asking, "Did you relax your agent metrics during this crunch?" Good question, Anthony. Yes, we did. Um, we initially, especially for the first six to eight weeks. Um, we relaxed our metrics in that we really just focused on the quality of the call. Um, we were lucky in that our call volume dropped off so that um, we were able to give people some flexibilities. Um, now that we are having our agents um, responsible for metrics, after that eight weeks we, we started introducing them, we did um, – allow people, though, to have somewhat of a less of an adherence score going forward, um, understanding that they do need more flexibility. There may be interruptions during the day if they have children. So schedule adherence um, is, is not as tight as it once was. We're looking more at the global picture of were they adhering, um, did, they, did they set their schedule, um, what were their calls per day, what was the quality of their calls. And so I have had to expand my workforce um, beyond what it was in office um, because of that. Okay. 
That's great. Uh, well, listen, thank you. I know that's uh, been an issue for a lot of people. So, Anthony, good question, and uh, thank you for that answer, Pam. All right. With that, we're going to have to wrap things up. Uh, thank you so much for your insights. Uh, and we'll, did you have anything you'd like to add before we uh, hand things over to Alan to wrap, wrap up the show? Not at all. I just want to thank everybody and, um, you know, tough times and just stay, stay strong, be brave. Don't be afraid to uh, ask your staff what they need, even though sometimes it may feel like I can't take on one more thing. Um, it really does help. Okay. Great advice. Thank you. All right. With that, over to Alan. Yes. Thanks again to Pam and to Bruce for your insightful discussions on today's show. We hope you can join us next month for another great show or look at our huge selection of, of archive shows and hot topics at BenchmarkPortals.com. Then click on Call Talk where you'll find over 11 seasons. From all of us at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. Stay safe, stay healthy. This is Alan Pockotter signing out. Have a great day. <laughs>